My biggest question that my parents are raised me was always, are you sure? Are you 100% sure that I'm Jewish? And I'm looking in the mirror, I'm thinking, I don't look like anybody in this neighborhood. Yeah, I knew I wasn't Jewish. I wanted to know what my background was. Who am I? 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 This is Who Am I Really? A podcast about adoptees that have located and connected with their biological family members. Hey, it's Damon, and today you're going to hear Steve's journey. He has family history in Baltimore, Maryland, but his biological roots go back to Chicago, Illinois. Steve says that he was a bit of a juvenile delinquent when he was a teen, and quite the opposite of his siblings. One who was a jock, the other who was a scholar. But it turned out those street skills and crafty thinking were just the tools he needed to locate and connect with his biological mother. I can't wait until you hear just how he did it. Steve. Yes. I'm super glad to be connected to you, man. I appreciate you accepting the invitation to chat a little bit. You've got quite an amazing story, but I'd love for you to take me back to uh, Mm -hmm. your early childhood. Tell me about what it was like in your family as an adoptee, what your structure was like in your family and, and what your community was like and, and how you fit into the community as an adoptee. Perfect. Yeah, I'll start off with saying, you know, my adoptive parents, I'll start off with them uh, to give you a little idea why they even went the adoption route. Mm-hmm. But they, they were a, a Jewish couple. Uh, they were married in the late 40s. They decided to start a family probably somewhere around 1950-51, and they obviously could not conceive so um, they decided to go the adoption routes. Okay, and what makes this whole story interesting is the parents were, were Jewish, mm-hmm. and they wanted to adopt a Jewish baby. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking to myself, gee, what, what are the odds on them finding a bunch of Jewish babies out there in this world? How do you even feel about that? That's what they wanted because they wanted to stick with the, you know, their religious tradition and raise a child Jewish and you know things like that. So I was actually born in Chicago, okay? My parents were from Baltimore, so that's where the thing gets kind of weird. Uh, what they did was they got an attorney up in Baltimore who knew of a rabbi, who knew of a rabbi in Chicago, who knew an attorney over there that had access to people that were Jewish and looking to put babies up for adoption into a Jewish family, so if you can follow that. I see. So about six years later, around 1957, they get a phone call. There's a baby girl available, which is my older sister. A year and a half later, they get a phone call that there's a boy available in Chicago. Fly out to Chicago, and there's me coming home three days later. So the Jewish community gets together and through connections establishes a network by which two presumably Jewish babies can arrive in a Jewish family in Baltimore. Environment. Gotcha. Correct. Okay. Correct. So fast forward a little bit, a couple of years later in 1962, my parents were able to have a biological son, which is pretty normal, they say. Sometimes parents that cannot conceive, all of a sudden they can. We basically in the 60s, growing up in the Randallstown area of Baltimore County, was like, our environment was like the show Leave It to Beaver. I mean, mm-hmm. it was, uh, 
It was really, <laughs> it was just, you know, a brand new suburban area. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a, in a, a 100% Jewish neighborhood. There must've been 150 homes in my neighborhood and every single one of them was Jewish. Mm-hmm. An so, enclave so we all, for community. Yeah. Our lives are pretty much normal, just like any other family in the neighborhood. I quite frankly, I didn't realize I was adopted until I was the age of six. Um, there's only a couple things I can really remember uh, before the year 1964, and mm-hmm. that was John F. Kennedy getting shot, mm-hmm. and the day my mother told me I was adopted. Wow! Okay, so Some huge moments in so, your life, huh? Yeah, yeah, and I and I tell people that my adoption is no big deal, but that moment when my mother told me it must have been a big deal because it's still in my brain to this day because I can remember exactly where I was sitting. When my really? mother told me that news, do yeah. you remember how you felt? What did it What did it feel like, or what did she say? Well, that, what else do you remember? Yeah, well, I, I remember sitting down on the steps on my sixth birthday. It might have been like a day or two before I was to start first grade. So I'm thinking maybe my parents thought, "Man, eh, we might as well tell him today before he goes to school and finds out in school from somebody else." Because maybe one of the parents in the neighborhood told some kids. Who knows? Mm-hmm. So it was a good time to tell me. Yeah, so the community talks. Just, yeah. Exactly, exactly. So she sat me down and said, I have something to tell you. And I think she said, you know, I love you very much or we love you very much. I'm thinking to myself, oh boy, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she said that, um, I just want to let you know that you and your sister were, were adopted uh, to uh, uh, mothers in Chicago uh, who were not able to care for their babies because they were poor pretty much threw that spiel out there at us and I went okay and then she explained that how you know my mother carried me around for nine months and then gave birth and then she my parents went up to Chicago and got us and then of course she says to me um do you have any questions uh, about your adoption or if you have any questions in the future please feel free to ask so the only thing I I do remember saying this because my mom still says to this day I said yeah I do have a question and she says what's that I said can I is it too late for me to go down the street and play wiffle ball. <laughs> <laughs> the mind of a six-year-old. Exactly. The adoption meant nothing to me. I just, yeah. just didn't even know where babies came from at that age. Right. Yeah, so I go out in the front yard with my sister and we start talking. She says, hey, we're adopted. I don't know what that means. So we run around the neighborhood telling everybody we're adopted. Mm. <laughs> Good news, you know, folks. Hey, it was like, you know, what's, you know, what's the deal here? So it really mm. didn't have that much of an effect on us in, in a negative way. I see. Yeah, and that's pretty much how it stayed all through the 60s. We were just a normal family in Baltimore. Going back to when you're six years old, you've sat on the front porch with your mom. She's told you that you're adopted. Has your baby brother been born yet? And do you recall at all thinking like, well, what does that mean? Like, how are we different then? Do 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 you recall at all a point when you thought to yourself, wait a minute, she's telling me that we're different in some way? Yeah, well, he was probably two, okay, uh, probably still sitting in a crib. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I do know, I do remember my mom giving birth mm-hmm. to my brother. So I knew that he came from my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, but when my mom told me that I did not, again, like a deer in the headlights kind of a situation, it just really wasn't a big deal to me. I was just so occupied yeah. into my life in, in that neighborhood. I mean, this was the... This was the baby boom generation. Mm-hmm. There were kids everywhere, yeah. running in the street, 
you know. And six and seven year old boys aren't known for being particularly introspective or contemplative. So I could see how this wouldn't necessarily hit you with like a ton of bricks. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it really didn't, uh, it really didn't really register to me till I got maybe around the age of eight and nine. Mm Because it was about that age when I realized that, hey, Babies stay in a mother's body for like nine months, and then they have birth. And, and it started coming to me, hey, there, there's somebody out there that carried me around for nine months. Mm-hmm. Who, you know, who, then all of a sudden the fantasy started coming around and the dreaming of, you know, who, who is this person? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I had those thoughts, but my sister did not have those thoughts. That's what's really bizarre. That is I mean, interesting. We grew, up in this, we grew up in the same house, absolute to this day. To this day, no interest. So, didn't want to talk about it. Hmm. Fascinating. Really, yeah. And and all three of us, different personalities. You know, my brother was a uh, extremely smart kid in school, straight A's. Mm-hmm. He had his own friends. My sister had her own friends, very good in school. And then there was me, the athlete, the guy that was the average student at best and getting in trouble a lot. <laughs> you know, I, maybe it was because I was a middle child, who knows, but I was a little juvenile delinquent and I caused my mother and father so many headaches. You can't even imagine how bad of a kid I was when I was like 12, 13, 14, oh, 15. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. And I'm sure my parents were probably thinking, where did this kid come from? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, of course, they would never say that to me, but they, they were the perfect parents when it comes to raising a, uh, adopted ch- children. Just they were perfect. They had all the right answers to everything, you know. Oh, that's excellent. But I never, yeah, I mean, you know, look, I'm sure my sister and I somewhere when we were younger probably said, hey, you're only punishing us today because we're adopted, you know. I'm sure we threw that at them a couple of times. Yeah, a lot of adoptees do that. I remember doing it to my own mother. You whip out the adoption card when you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you weaponize it, and then you don't realize until a little bit later when you're older, or even after that moment, like, sure. oh, boy, I really shouldn't have said boy, that. Boy, that's embarrassing. Yeah. yeah <laughs> that's a hard one. Exactly. But, you know, our parents, the ones that know what they're doing, they know that day's coming. They, they know that's coming, and they're prepared for it. And my mother just steadfast. She says, no, no, Stephen, you, you, you're in trouble today because you threw a rock through the neighbor's window yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> nothing to do with the adoption. <laughs> this has nothing to do with how you came into this world. Let's just get this straight. <laughs> exactly. So fast forward yeah, a little bit. You've, you've, you're now eight years old, and it's kind of hitting you. There's somebody out yes. there that did this same thing that my mom has done for mm-hmm. their son that they that she carried in her belly. What what kinds of things did you Correct. think about about this other person? I would obviously dream of what and who my mo- mother was. You know, he's, uh, I would fantasize. Uh, well, she's Marilyn Monroe or mm-hmm. Jane Mansfield. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. You put and the you most prefer- positive spin your mind can handle on it, right? Uh, oh, of course, got to be a good looking woman. Come on, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> So I would sit back and think, who is this person and what is she doing right now? Well, I mean, what is, there's a whole other world out there that I don't know about. Mm-hmm. And I, I tell you, um, <clears throat> a very special day for me. And I, I hear from a lot of adoptees that their birthday is not a special day for them because it reminds them of their adoption. Mm-hmm. But for me, my birthday, I couldn't wait for my birthday to come around because that was the day that I knew for sure that my birth mother was thinking of me on that day. Mm-hmm. It is 
So I knew that we had something in common that we, we could grab onto. And I would, you know, at, at the nighttime, I would look at my window on my birthday night, stare at the, the brightest star in the sky, the North Star, and just like bring, do messages back and forth to my, uh, to my mother, thinking maybe she's looking at that same star thinking of me and I would tell her what I'm doing mm-hmm. this past year in school and my friends and things like that. So we would have like a 45 minute conversation. Wow. You know? What kinds of things would yeah. she say back to you? Uh, I don't know where you are. I hope you're fine. Um, I love you. You know, anything I wanted to say, to mm-hmm. my, anything I wanted to hear is what I heard. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it was just, a, I'm just a kid. Yeah, you know, uh, in your imagination, you know. yeah. Sure, sure. And that's kind of what got me okay with the whole adoption thing, knowing I had something I could hold on to, and that was that birthday connection. Yeah. And that stayed with me pretty much up to maybe I was like 13 or 14, and I kind of stopped doing that out-the-window thing. And, and when I was like 14, 15, I became a selfish kid, mm-hmm. and I was really out doing destructive things. So it really wasn't until after those days were over that I got back into uh, the thought process of knowing who my birth mother was, you know, like after the age of 18. So yeah. you had sort of matured out of your delinquency a little bit? Oh, yeah, at 18. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. As soon as I became, you know, legal at 18, <laughs> that's when I... <laughs> when the actions had a ramification for your uh, police record. <laughs> You got that correct. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I became squeaky clean, and um, and I'm going to say I started my search for my biological mother. I'm going to say around 26. Mm-hmm. That's when I really started putting the pen to the paper, so to speak. What was happening for uh, you at was, that age? Why why was that at the time? I think I was settling down, and I had a little time yeah. to actually do a search without you know jumping through hoops. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got married uh, in my late twenties and moved to Atlanta. That's when it really jumped in high gear because I, I did spend eight years looking for my biological roots, and I came up empty because you know the state of Illinois was one of the biggest closed adoption states you can possibly imagine. Like Fort Knox, get your information out of that place. Really? So I mean, all I knew was the day I was born and the time. That I came out at 2:56 a.m. in the morning on September the 6th. I didn't even know the name of the hospital. And my biggest thing, my biggest question to my parents that raised me was always, "Are you sure? Are you 100% sure that I'm Jewish?" And they would say, "Oh yeah, that's what we were told." And I'm looking in the mirror. I'm thinking, "I don't look like anybody in this neighborhood." <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I knew I wasn't Jewish. There's just no way. And I looked at my sister. Come on, we're like uh, we look like Italians or Germans. Uh, so I'm thinking that was really, really had me itching to find out because I wanted to know what my background was. So what did you do? And, I mean, you've already said that Illinois is Fort Knox in terms of trying to get information correct. out. So what did you do? Well, no, I'm going to be honest with you. I got a, I did. I figured I'm just going to look. If they're going to keep this information from me. I'm just going to do what I need to do to get that information. I, I don't care if I break the law at this mm, point. Mm-hmm. So I found out what hospital I was born at just by asking for some non-identifying information from the courts. And I'm not going to name the hospital because I'm not going to get in trouble. But mm-hmm. I drove up to Chicago with a bunch of money in my pocket. 
And I went into the hospital and I got somebody in the records department. I pulled this person off to the side. I said, hey, um, I got, I got a request. I told her exactly what I was doing. And I said, I need somebody in the records department. And I would like a list of every single mother that came into this hospital on September 6, 1958, to have a baby. I would like the times that they had the baby and, you know, whatever other information they could get me. And she looked at me, and I put a five $100 bills in her hand. Wow. And I got the information the next day. I bet you did. Now, wow. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> jeez. The, 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 the delinquent list. mind shines through in a moment of there investigation. May I ask you, yeah, did you tell her why? Did you express to her sort of the emotional yeah. component of what you were trying to accomplish? I did. I did. I think she was more interested than five hundred dollars. <laughs> really? She didn't care that you were an adoptee. Yeah. You flashed cash, and that was cash was. Yeah, cash. you know. Yeah. So she gave me a list of everybody that had a baby that day, and and I picked it up, and she got her money, and I walked out, and I got my car, and I looked at the list, and there was a band. I was surprised. There were sixteen women that had babies that day, but only one had it at two fifty six a.m. Wow. So that was my mother. That's wow. how I got her name. And what yep. did you think when so you I, saw that? I stared at it. I just stared at it. I mean, you know, I just stared at that name. It was just, uh, wow, I'm looking at the name of my biological mother. For mm-hmm. 35 years later, look at that name. To me, that was so unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, just absolutely incredible. So I go, okay. And it happened to be a fairly common name. So I thought, eh, Chicago 7 million people in this county and I got a common name. You gotta be kidding me. Mm. So I took that name and I went down to Cook County, uh, downtown and got in some, another, another, another scam I pulled off. But anyway, I pulled some voters registration information out. Somehow or another found this person, Carol voter registration information and and then I found some more information. I finally got a social security number for. Okay. And once you get somebody's social security number, you know, lights out. Right. You can find a person in three minutes. Mm -hmm. So I had a friend of mine that was in the siding business, aluminum siding business. I had him run that social security number like she was a customer buying stuff for like a credit check or something. And he got he got the address for me. So there I am in Chicago with my mother's address in my hand. And what do I do? Man. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could literally drive up and knock on the door, but 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 could you? So what did you do? Exactly. But could I? That's, that's the question. Could I? So I, my theory was I always wanted to just send my mother a certified letter, let her make the decision if she wants contact, and go from there. But Keep this in mind. Coming through my mind, I kept thinking, well, you know, once you send the letter, you're opening up, you're opening up Pandora's box. There's no return. Mm-hmm. Once she knows who you are, whether you like it or not, this is your life. Yeah. And you've, and you've got to be careful. I don't know what's going on with her, who she is. I, you know, who knows what I'm getting into mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. you know? So then I thought, like the little creative person I am, how can I see her, sort of meet her, and don't tell her who I am, kind of scope the situation out, then go back to Atlanta and fire the letter off? 
Interesting. Yeah. You wanted to craft a meeting that would allow you to investigate Bingo. her without her knowing she was being investigated. Bingo. And I feel a little, don't get me wrong, I feel a little guilty about it, but mm-hmm. it all turned out fine. Mm-hmm. So I pull up to her condominium and I thought, okay, maybe I'll just get a view of her coming and going. So I'm sitting out there for like two hours. There's nobody coming or going out of that condo. So I thought, okay, let me come up with another another scam, so to speak. So I thought, well, maybe I can go up and knock on her door and say, hi, I'm here to look at your condominium that's for sale. And knowing full well it's not for sale, but at least it will get me to see her face. And she would tell me, I'm sorry, my condo's not for sale. And then I would say, oh, I'm sorry. I got the wrong place and leave. <laughs> okay. So that, that's, so that's creative, if nothing else. Yeah. So I got a clipboard out, wrote some things on there. And I tell you, Damon, I, I was so nervous. Boy, was I nervous. I can oh. imagine. My heart was beating a thousand miles. Of, oh, it's just unbelievable. Right. So I got the courage. I got the nerve and courage to go up to her unit. Knocking on the door, and about 10 seconds later, I hear some scuffling, somebody heading towards the door, and she screams out before she opens the door, and there was that Chicago accent that she had, I'm coming, hold your horses. (laughs) (laughs) So your first listen of her voice is this comedic, quintessential Chicago accent shouting at you. Mm -hmm. Funny. Exactly, 35 years later. (laughs) So she opens up the door, okay, and she doesn't open up the screen door. I'm looking at my biological mother for the first time since she probably held me in her arms in the hospital 35 years ago. My gosh. And and she looks, then she looks just like me, right in the face, the Is nose, that... the eyes, the mouth. Wow. Yep. Well, a lot shorter, obviously, but she's looking at me and she has no idea. And she says, what can I do for you? And I said, um, I'm sorry, ma'am, but a real estate agent sent me over here to look at your condo that's for sale. That was my spiel. And she said, just like I thought she would say, my place is not for sale. You're at the wrong place. I go, oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. I must be at the wrong place. But my wife and the real estate agent was supposed to meet me over here to look at this unit. So it must be another unit somewhere. Thank you. Goodbye, I'm thinking. She <laughs> She says, hold on. Now she opens up the screen door. She says, are you telling me that the real estate lady and your wife are coming over here? I go, they're coming somewhere. I don't know if it's here, but I'm thinking it's in the complex. She says, I am the building president. And if there's any units for sale in this whole complex, I would know about it. And there are no condos for sale around here. So I'm having like a, I don't want to say an argument, but I'm trying to get out of there. I don't want to have a conversation here. So she grabs my clipboard. She grabs the clipboard out of my hand. Very aggressive Chicago woman, I got to tell you. Oh boy. And I'm thinking, geez, if she looks at that clipboard, she's going to see her name on there because I had a lot of adoption stuff on there. So I grabbed the clipboard back from her. I said, oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. That's, I got a lot of per- got a lot of personal information there about my wife, <laughs> and she looks at me like, "What is this guy doing here?" And I go, "Well, I'm sorry, 
I think I'm going to leave now and maybe find my wife somewhere else. She says, I'll tell you what, then all of a sudden she says, why don't you come in to my condo and wait for your wife and the real estate agent inside my condo unit? Shut up. She invites you in. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, so now I'm thinking, she's crazy. She doesn't know me from Adam. Oh, my God. Why would she invite me in here? Was she nuts? But she must have picked up something nice about me. I, I don't know. So she says, I'm, I'm making a pot of coffee. I go, okay. <laughs> so I'm standing in her kitchen. Picture this. I'm standing in her kitchen, and she's standing next to me. We're both sipping coffee, chit-chatting about Chicago. Now, I'm trying to draw her memory. I'm trying to, I'm throwing everything at her at the kitchen sink to see if something rings a bell. Like she might say, hey, this could be my son, but I'm, I'm not bringing any bells to her. I told her I'm from Baltimore. I told you, know, I didn't say I was from Chicago. Mm-hmm. I just said, I'm from Baltimore, raised in a Jewish family over there. I was throwing everything at her. And she just wasn't, she wasn't biting. So here's what really is absolutely mind-blowing. So we're coming up to the end of the 40 minutes. Obviously, my wife's not coming, and there's no real estate agent coming. (laughs) So I told her, hey, they must be on another side of town. I've got to get out of here and make some phone calls. So right before I left, in her kitchen, she had a calendar on the wall. And this was like August the 20th, 1993. So just for... You know, just for curiosity's sake, I flipped the calendar up to September. She had September the 6th, my birthday, circled, and it said my son's 35th birthday. Oh, my God. Wow. I, I got to tell you, Dave, my, my knees buckled. Oh. I mean, I was in shock. I mean, I, I don't even know how I made it out of that place. I'm sitting I mean, here with my wobbly. mind blown. I can't even imagine. Yep. Yep. I, I just, I'm in shock. I'm thinking, I, I, I mean, what, what do I say? I can't say anything. Because she, she would be, it wouldn't be right. She would like fall to the ground. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, I couldn't, You've I couldn't, scammed your way into her place. You can't, exactly. you can't drop this on her. Yeah. Exactly. It, it looked so bad. But my, my knees buckled, and that gave me 100% proof it was her. Yeah, if there was a doubt before that moment, yeah, you had exactly. your proof. Before I left, I said, would you please write your phone number down on this piece of paper and sign your name? <laughs> and she wrote her phone number down and signed her name. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and I matched her signature up to some adoption papers I had. And the signatures were right back, identical. Oh, my gosh. So, so I go back to my hotel and I get my call my wife. She she says, Go back and tell her who you are. I said, I'm not doing that. I'm coming back to Atlanta and I'm gonna sit down and come up with a perfect letter and fire it off. And that that's that's what I that's what I did. Now I what got, do you, you know, say? Let's... You've now scammed your way into a person's home and you're mm-hmm. about to deliver to them the news that you're looking for them. How do you even craft that letter? What do you say in a letter like that? <laughs> Well, I happen to have a letter right here in front of me. <clears throat> okay, I wrote this letter to her on September the 6th, 1993. It just so happens it was my birthday. Mm-hmm. 
So here, here's how the letter went. I am writing this letter to you today because today is a very special day. This letter was written for a Carol who would know the meaning of the date, September 6, 1958. If you are this person, please read on. Today, September 6, 1993, is my 35th birthday. By now, I am assuming you have realized I am the son you gave birth to 35 years ago. I am well aware there is a possibility that you might not want contact from me, and if that is the case, I sincerely apologize and will leave you with this brief message. Thank you for giving me life. I am alive and well. I had a tremendous upbringing as a child, and I thank you for making a very unselfish decision back in 1958 under conditions I'm assuming were very difficult. If for any reason you would like to know more about me, though, I am completely open for that, as I, too, would love to know more about you and your life. You are now probably wondering what I look like. Guess what? I'm afraid you already know. For I was the one that stopped over at your condo last week posing as a prospective buyer of your condo that was obviously not for sale. My guess, <laughs> my guess is you are now lying on the floor in shock. <laughs> I think that's a fairly safe assumption. Oh my gosh, man. Yeah. And then I yeah, then I go on. I did not have the courage to tell you who I was at the time. And quite frankly, I also felt it might not be fair because you would have needed quite some time to handle such a piece of information. And after spending forty five minutes talking with you last week, I came away with the feeling you are a very warm an outgoing person. It almost felt like we knew each other for years. Wow. Yeah. What and, a letter. Yeah. 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 So what and, happened? Uh, you send it off. Presumably she I feel, Yeah, she I sent it on now listen, I sent it off certified and I always tell adoptees that are looking for their uh biological mothers or fathers or whatever, to always do a certified letter. This, this way you know they got a sign for it and they got it. So you know, I had gone back to Atlanta and I'd sent the letter off. So I told my wife, if a letter comes from Carol, don't open it. Mm -hmm. I don't want anybody, I want to do this myself here. Yeah. My wife calls me up and says, you got a letter from Carol and it's, it's pretty thick. So I'm thinking, ooh, we got some new, ooh, it's my, that thick is good. But she pretty much, the first couple of lines of the letter went like this. My dreams and prayers have been answered. Oh. You have finally found me. I have been waiting 35 years for this day. Of course I want contact with you. I want to know everything there is to know about you. And yes, you were right when you wrote in your letter that I might be lying on the floor in <laughs> shock. <laughs> After hearing you say that you were here last week in my condo, I went down <laughs> Oh, I was on the ground crying for hours. Oh, my gosh. So right. I read her letter, mm -hmm. and I digested all that, and then I made the call. We got I called her that night, and we spoke on the phone for four hours. Wow. And, and that was pretty much 
the beginning of our relationship. Well, one of the questions <laughs> that you had was about your, your Jewish heritage. What did you confirm about your lineage? Yeah, I have it this for some irony. German. <laughs> Is that right? Oh, no. Wow. Yeah, yeah. My poor parents. <laughs> oh, gosh. How did that news go yeah. over with, with your parents? Well, you know what? That's, that's, that's another situation. I, I did not tell my parents that I was actively searching. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, and I sort of regret that because I didn't tell them, I didn't want them to take it the wrong way. I mean, I love my parents so much. Mm-hmm. I didn't want them to think that I was missing anything as a kid or they did anything wrong because they didn't. I was just a curious kid. Yeah, you, you, you felt know? like you were I protecting mean, them and didn't want to accidentally hurt them. Exactly. Even though they would have said, oh, we were fine with it. Uh, but But so many people knew about it. I was afraid. I better tell them. Just like they told me I was adopted. They told me, you know, well, your father and I figured you were the kind of person that might go out and search for your biological family. They thought that mm-hmm. about me. They said, it's in my personality that for me to do something like that. Yeah, I didn't tell them about the little, you know, journey kid they raised <laughs> at mm-hmm. first. I just kind of, I said, oh, apparently I'm a mutt. <laughs> I see. So, so you broke it down in small bits for them. Yeah, to exactly. Yeah, that was exactly. And, yeah, and they didn't ask a lot of questions. My mother asked a little bit every couple months, so do you still talk to this, the person? I don't get in all the details and things, you know. Mm-hmm. So this was a textbook perfect adoption, my story. And I consider myself a very lucky person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds uh, so. So I go back up to Chicago about a month after my um, conversation, my four-hour conversation with my mother, mm-hmm. and we have a... You know, I get the flowers, I do the whole routine, go back up to that same condominium, mm-hmm. and I knock mm-hmm. on her door, and we gave a big hug, and we spent the whole weekend together, and she and, and I tell you what was really amazing, my grandfather was still alive. Is that right? And he lived, yeah, my mom's father, probably like 81 years old, was lived downstairs, and my mom sent me down there to talk to him, Is that and right? I talked to him for like two hours fascinating person he died a year later so so happy to talk to him yeah we stayed we stayed really tight mm-hmm. uh until he passed away so so and then a year later my mom got a uh a surprise party for me i flew up to chicago and she takes me to some new restaurants and i walk in and there's like a hundred and twenty five people in that restaurant with name tags on all biological relatives. Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. The yep. live family yep. tree. Yep. Aunts, uncles, cousins. It was unreal. So, yeah, so may uh, I ask you, Steve, what did she tell you about the circumstances for your adoption? And did you ask about your biological father? Yeah, definitely did. Because that's one of the first questions I asked my mother. So what the, you know, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> what, mm-hmm. what happened in 1958? So she says, well. She says that back in 1956, when she was just a teenager, uh, she got a little wild spirit in her. She was the only child. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, my mom was a very, very good-looking woman mm-hmm. when she was a teenager in her 20s. She was a hot babe. But <laughs> upstairs, she might have been a little uh, vulnerable, I should say. So your hot babe so she, fantasy from when you were six years old to eight years old. There you go. I was right. Yeah, I was right. Look at you. Yeah. So anyway, she's at a dance hall. And she's sitting near the bar. Some guy walks in, and my mother tells me that she looked at him and pretty much fell in love with the guy before he even came into the place. Wow. She just 
loved the guy, just with a glance over the bar. And of course, he noticed her, and they started a romance. And he basically swept her off her feet. But here's where it gets a little shaky. Six or seven months into the relationship, he makes an announcement. And the announcement is, um, by the way, Carol, I'm married with three kids. Whoa. That's what he says. Now, this guy's like a wise guy up in Chicago. And he's, he's got this mistress, my mother, you know, on the side. And he's got a family that he goes to at nighttime with three kids. Just something you see in, like, the movie Goodfellas. I was just thinking, we were literally in the car earlier today talking about the movie Goodfellas. And I was thinking that exactly. as you were describing this story. That's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my mother hits him over the head with her high heel shoes about 20 times, <laughs> you know, kicks him <laughs> and does all the stuff that women getting that kind of news is going to do. But when the dust clears, she stayed with him. And she was the mistress while he was married. Fast forward, my mom gets pregnant somewhere in the early part of 1958. Now, she's still living home. So three months into her pregnancy, her mother looks at my mother and says, you're pregnant. <laughs> she didn't even ask her. She just asserted what she knew. Exactly. She oh, saw it. Boy. She could see it in her face. Mm. My mother was scared. Yeah. And this is 1958. That's like a big taboo. You know, people, oh, yeah. you know, that was a, that was a family hush hush, throw it under the rug situation. So my grandfather wants to put a contract out on my on my biological father. He wants to kill him. Oh, jeez. You know, so my my biological father goes into hiding for a little while, and so of course my mother gets sent off to relatives on the other side of Chicago, and where she had the baby. And then mm -hmm. of course that's when my parents from Baltimore slip out there and pick me up and then my mother gets shipped off to California for like another just to whew, get out of here. Yeah. Now here's Creates something some clear separation. Exactly. You know, whatever happened to Carol? <laughs> so <laughs> my my biological father died, picks up my mother, flies her back to Chicago where they continued their relationship for another fifteen years. Are you serious? Yes. As the mistress Wow, that's yep, unbelievable. That, so did you get the yep, opportunity they, to meet him? Oh, yes. And oh, how was that? Yeah. Well, like I said, the 15-year relationship with my father ended in the, in the early 70s, and they broke up. Mm -hmm. And then my mother married a Chicago cop, okay? Mm -hmm. And that Chicago cop was so jealous of my father, my biological father, mm -hmm. that he stalked and chased him all over Chicago for years, trying to get him and put him in jail. Wow. Catching him for doing stuff, yeah. It was so bad that my father, biological father, had to leave Chicago and move to Florida. Wow. So that... He chased him out of the city. Chased him out of the city. <laughs> so, so that's where my father was when I met him. He was down in, in South Florida near Pompano Beach. Hiding in a warehouse upstairs somewhere, you know, in a mystery, you know, like a mystery cabin. Had he left his family? Well, at that point, his kids were getting older. So his kids were already like 20, probably, by the time he headed out to Florida. He, was, uh, he had three kids that would be my half-brothers and sisters, by the way, mm -hmm. which I, I met I met all them, except for one that was, was killed. But yeah, I didn't meet him down in Florida. 
Um, and, you know, I, quite frankly, I really wasn't interested in knowing my biological father. Mm-hmm. I really didn't care. I mean, I was looking for, I was looking for the person that carried me around for nine months. That's mm-hmm. all. No, you know, no real deep connection. Your, your focus had been on your mother. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good, good story. And, uh, I'm an advocate of, the, of, of a good adoption. I know adoptions can work. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, I know some of them, some of them fail. Yeah. And that breaks my heart because yeah. if they all had, if they all had my parents, 100% of them would be satisfied. Or mine. Yeah, I'm with you. I've interviewed yeah. some folks yeah. for the show who have said, uh, as a matter of fact, in my most recent episode with Laura, she said, she basically heard, tells me, you mm-hmm. know, I feel 100% that if I had been with my biological parents, I would have had a mm-hmm. much better childhood regardless of what the situation was. So let me ask you, would you change any piece of how you approach this? What would you do differently looking back on how this whole thing unfolded? You know, sometimes I think, well, should I have found my biological mother before the age of 35? And she told me had I found her any time before that year, it wouldn't have worked out that well because she was tied up in a bad marriage. And the guy that she was with probably would not have accepted me, and then it just wouldn't have worked out. So I can't say doing this earlier would have worked out. Mm-hmm. So I, I can no complaints there. The only thing I wish I could take back is is when I was growing up, not giving my poor parents such uh, grief as a juvenile delinquent. If I could do it, if I could change anything, yeah. that's what I would change. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can understand that, and hopefully they'll have the opportunity to hear this and appreciate that you've said that most directly. Yeah, yeah. So, well, she uh, can yeah. look back and laugh because what doesn't kill right. you makes you stronger, and she survived, yeah. and you survived, exactly. and you've become a productive part of society versus the other yeah. track that you could have taken. So, well, Steve, yeah, thank you so. so much for taking time yeah. to talk with yeah. me and tell your story. It's a fascinating one. I'm so glad that it worked yeah. out that you were able to locate your mother, and then got to be one of the most crafty scams <laughs> I've heard I, it's just an entertaining story but I'm also really yeah. glad that it worked out well because it could have gone a different yeah. direction yeah. So, yeah I appreciate that very much thanks for your time man take care all the best thank you Damon thank you very much Sure. bye bye hey it's me can you imagine that you've paid the hospital records keeper off to give you a short list of women that could be your mother You've taken that identifiable information and located her address. And then when you get to her, you tell her that you're there to buy her home. And she invites you inside where you verify your own birthday on her kitchen calendar. But what about the story in his adoptive family? You heard him say he was unsure of his heritage as he looked around the community and compared himself to other Jewish kids. Then, after confirming that he was not Jewish, he had to return to his adopted family with the news that he is, in fact, descendant from Germany. That had to be very tough news to bring home, given the history between Jews and Germans. I got the sense that they all found a healthy way to accept Steve for who he is, their son, and have found a pathway forward together as a family. I hope you'll find something in Steve's journey that inspires you, validates your feelings about wanting to search, or motivates you to have the strength along your journey to learn. Who am I, really? If you would like to share your story of locating and connecting with your biological family, visit whoamireallypodcast.com slash share. You can also follow me on Twitter at WAIReally.
I tell you what was really amazing. My grandfather was still alive. Is that right? And he lived. Yeah, my mom's father, probably like eighty-one years old, was lived downstairs, and my mom sent me down there to talk to him. Is that and right? I talked to him for like two hours. Fascinating person. He died a year later, so I was so happy to talk to him. Here's a guy who was born in Chicago in 1911. And during the Depression, you know, he was living on the rooftops. And he, yeah. met, he met Al Capone. I mean, just some really fascinating guy. Wow. And, yeah, we stayed, we stayed really tight mm-hmm. uh, until he passed away. So, 